Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. Are you ready to learn the keys to copywriting success? My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 20 years, writing for multi-billion dollar companies down to solopreneurs and every size business in between. My co-host Kate Sitars and I, along with the rest of the Filthy Rich Writer team, are sharing everything we've learned in our decades in the industry so that you can start and scale a successful copywriting business of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast. Hey there, Kate. Hello, hello. Hello. Um, So we have decided on a topic for today that uh, we're actually both surprisingly excited about. Uh, (laughs) We should be embarrassed. (laughs) You would think it would be something that we wouldn't want to talk about. Um, But today we are going to talk about the biggest mistakes that we have made in our copywriting careers, in our copywriting businesses. Um, And I think part of why I'm so excited to talk about it is it was such a, a useful moment for me and such a light bulb for me that it's very valuable to share with the rest of our community. So I'm really excited to dig into that story. Um, Kate, did you say you have two, two that you want to share today? I have no mistakes, Nikki. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't made, this is all about you and your career's mistakes. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Pardon me. But I don't know, I'm, here. I'm, just, I'm just here to watch. No, yes. I have two that I want to share. Not, neither of them feel dramatic, but yes. Do we want to start with one of them? Yeah, I was going to say, let's go back and forth. Okay. So the, I'll start with what I think might be the bigger, well, I don't know. They're different. They're in different categories. But the first one, and I should know, and I think yours too, they were earlier on in our careers. We learned, which was really nice. Um, So take that for what it's worth. If you're feeling like you're making mistakes, you'll get through it. You'll learn and it'll get easier and you'll make less and less, hopefully. So this was actually one of my first freelance clients. They ran an agency and they were looking to bring on some more writers. And this was actually my first going to be what I hoped was my first freelance client ever. I was working on staff at the time and Nikki actually had recommended, you know, you should do some freelance and that's always a good skill to have, which yes, it's a great skill to have. Uh, And so I set my alarms the night before the call. It was a call on a Saturday and I woke up Saturday morning, you know, going about and just had that moment of stomach sinking. 
oh, there are missed calls on my phone. Oh my gosh, what time is it? Oh my gosh, I've missed this meeting with this client. And it was supposed to be in person. I think we were going to meet up for coffee and just chat about what I had done, blah, 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 blah. <sighs> yeah. So is the type of person who, you know, would have a panic attack if I like left my high school homework at home. This was that moment of, oh my gosh, I, I'm never there, there that goes. And so I calmed down, took some breaths, immediately picked up the phone. And as I'm like trying to get dressed just in case they still wanted to meet. Um, and I said, I am so sorry. I set my alarm and this was truth. You know, what can you do, but tell the truth. I set my alarm for 7 PM instead of 7 AM. My phone is now on, you know, the 24 hour time. So we don't have those mm -hmm. types of screw ups anymore. Um, it's just easier, less confusion for everyone, including myself. <laughs> and, so I said, if there's any chance, I would love to still meet up with you again, um, you know, but I completely understand. I, I don't want to, you know, waste your time. And I don't remember exactly how that conversation, you know, kind of went. I think it was pretty short because the the person, rightly so, was peeved. Uh, you know, she had shown up and this person who she's giving a chance who she doesn't know yet, we had... I think you had actually introduced us. So then it's not even, yeah, I'm making you look bad too, you know, stamp up <laughs> approval on someone who doesn't show. Um, but we rescheduled for a later time is I think what the, what the outcome was. Um, and thank goodness. So not only is there added pressure on your first freelance project, but for me, that was okay. Now I am doubly pressured because this first project that they give me, and it was a small project, um, and I want to reiterate, it was a small project to everyone because sometimes some of your best clients might not want to give you the biggest project right away. They want you to prove that you can do what it is that you say you can do or that you just have a good working relationship and you're someone they want to work with. And so this was a small project, but I was like, I need to knock this out of the park. This needs to be your best copy ever, Kate. Um, and so I forget what the, what the project was. I want to say it was actually copy for a, a shoe box on a, for a box of shoes. And, um, I came up with so many options. I can't tell you how many options. Cause I was like this, you know, digging, 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 like need to do the best thing ever. Um, and presented, I think probably my top three to five, maybe, um, narrowed it down, really curated it. Um, and she came back and was like, you know, this work was actually better than some of our writers that have been doing it for a lot longer. Like we'd love to continue working with you and straight up said to me, you know, like I was really unsure after that, that I should give you a second chance. I'm glad I did, but you know, she basically let me know like that wasn't okay, which I already knew obviously, but it was reiterating, Hey, you know, this, this relationship almost didn't happen. Um, and so then of course every project after that, it was still a lot and not that I, I don't feel necessarily that same pressure anymore, but it was like, okay, I need to continue to prove myself even more than I have to prove myself with a regular client. Cause I already set myself up five, 10 steps back in this relationship, but this relationship now over the course of we've been working together on and off for over a decade so it's been hundreds of thousands of dollars for me and my business. So if that screw up, you know, could have cost me, luckily it didn't, but it could have cost me so much money over the course of my career. Um, and I want to reiterate too, the, the small project that they had me start on, like it wasn't a lot of copy, but 
it translated to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you're, you know, looking for those big ticket clients and some client doesn't want to work with you right away on a $5,000 project, know that it might be because they're more than willing. Maybe they have the budget, they want to work with you, but they want to see how your relationship is on a $500 project first versus a 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. There's that opportunity over the course of your career thinking long-term this relationship could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Duh. Such a good story. So mm-hmm. what would you say the takeaways are besides double checking your alarms, maybe setting a couple of alarms? Setting a couple. I do that now, honestly, even for just meetings, you know, any meeting with, with any sort of client because I, A, I want to respect people's time. I want my time respected. And I think we all feel that way. If someone, if a client doesn't show up for us, we feel like, hey, what the heck? Like, don't you value my time? And so, um, yeah, I set alarms 10 minutes before, and then usually like two minutes before one or two minutes before, uh, just again, that wrap up time, if I need to go up for refilled coffee, whatever. And then again, right when I need to sign on, uh, I don't trust the, you know, email servers and whatever pings and dings. And I turn those off actually, just so they're not interrupting me. So I control it via my, my alarms and I do it every, Every end of day at 5.15, I have a note on my calendar to set my alarms for the next day uh, so that they're all ready to go before I leave the office and I'm not doing it first thing in the morning and then missing a 9 a.m. meeting or whatever it might be. But yeah, that's the biggest take, setting those alarms, checking those alarms, use that 24-hour time. Um, Well, and I think, too, the fact that you got in touch, obviously, when you realized your mistake and you were just – you didn't try to lie. You didn't try to make up an excuse. You you just Mm -hmm. very genuinely said, I'm so sorry this is what happened. Um, When I think, too, that – you know, she would have been very much in her rights to to say, no, no, yeah. thank you. No, <laughs> I love you so much. And I'm not sure if you were a stranger to me, if I would have given you a second chance. Right, right. Because um, you don't know. You don't know. Yes, well, yes. It's, yeah. My, I have no reputation with you if I'm a stranger. Yeah. So yeah, of course yeah. you would, I would probably do the same if like, I, I don't know. Yeah. And would ha- obviously have been such a loss for me. Um, but I will say that if she had said no, I think that some people may be tempted to go, oh, well, I lost out. Whereas I think then there's also the opportunity to say, look, I'm really sorry. How can I prove myself? How can I make this up to you? I realize that I wasted your time on a Saturday morning what can I do to make this up to you? Mm-hmm. If it's something that you really do care about, it's always worth asking asking that question. How can I make this right? Yep. Or even kind of thinking of it like a pitch, like, hey, I'm so sorry I missed this. Hey, I was taking a look at your website. I have this idea for one of your clients or I have this idea for your business or whatever it is to come already with some value and to show that you're already still thinking that you care. Mm-hmm. And I think pitches in general and showing that value shows that we care, that we've invested a little bit of time to understand the business. And I think in this situation, that would have been a good thing to do as well. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was so green in my career. I came to the coffee, just very apologetic still. I didn't necessarily come with, with those ideas, but looking back, that's, that's something I would definitely do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Live and learn, live and learn and set those alarms. Yes. Yes. Okay. My turn. Yeah. So this one, again, also early in my career, I learned. um, But this was, gosh, I would say probably 
12, 13 years ago, maybe. This was also a freelance client. Um, she is a she's a business owner, but she's like a multi-seven-figure business owner. Very cool team, does very cool work. Um, and the funny thing is, is actually she got in touch with me, I think through my website and said, hmm. oh, so-and-so referred me. And I remember looking at that still to this day. I have no idea who that person was. No idea. I was like, oh, that was so great. That was so nice of her to refer. Thank no you idea to so-and-so, whoever yes. that might be. This stranger <laughs> out in ether who's throwing my name around. Appreciate it. Um, but it was really fun work. You know, it was uh, website work. It was email funnels. It was, I think I did like a little bit of ghostwriting for a submission for something in a book. It was, it was really fun stuff. Um, and, and I liked it. She, she liked my work. I liked working with them and it was fun. Um, but where the trouble comes in is that I got really used to just like sitting there and, and waiting for the work to come to me. You know, she'd shoot me an email when she needed something. I would do the work. She'd love it. Okay. I'd go on to my next thing. And that was how it went for quite a while until I kind of noticed that the work started to drop off. And then it just kind of eventually disappeared. And by the time that I became fully cognizant of it, I kind of went, oh, all right, well, I guess maybe she doesn't need me. She doesn't need any projects and just kind of went on my way. Um, and actually, maybe this is longer than 12 years ago because this, this is a very green thing to do, uh, but just kind of went on my way and just didn't say anything to her, didn't reach out, didn't, none of that kind of stuff. Um, and so years later, I actually ended up working with her again. Um, I forget how we got reconnected, but then I did some work for her. And then, you know, now that we're both uh, business owners, we're, we're peers and, you know, we, we uh, run in some of the same circles and she's a really like smart, fantastic woman. Um, and we were having a conversation one day and she said, um, she said, I, I'm a little hesitant to tell you this, but as a fellow entrepreneur, I would, I would hope that someone would give me this information as well. And, you know, so I'm kind of going, um, preparing myself. She said, you know, the, the reason that, um, that I stopped working with you years ago, which of course, immediately I'm going, oh my God, she's going to tell me that, but you know, oh my God, what terrible thing did I do? Um, but what she said was, she said, you know, you were doing great work. I really, really liked the work you were doing, but we were approached by the company, I was approached by another copywriter who had this whole package of suggestions for things that I could do. You know, she suggested this for a launch and she suggested this for an email um, funnel and like the revamping the sales page and doing this and, and this whole package of work. And um, she said it was not cheap. It was like a seven or $8,000 package of work. And she said, I assumed that if you were capable of doing that, that you would have pitched me on that same stuff. And I, it was an absolute like eye opener. Like, of course, of course I was capable of doing that kind of stuff. Of course I was. But the, the trap that I fell into was just, was being a producer, not a partner, was mm -hmm. just sitting there and waiting for her to give me work. And that's not, that's only one part of what we do. It was also my job just as much to be a partner and to look at the stuff that she's doing and make suggestions and offer ideas and all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of times we think, oh, we're only going to offer other projects or make suggestions or offer ideas when it could be more work for us. And yes, obviously this did represent, would have represented more work for me, but also just 
being present like that and being active and engaged was what I should have been doing. Also mm-hmm. the fact that I just let her go as the work disappeared. I didn't even reach out to say, hey, just wanted to check in and see how everything's going. Now, frankly, at that point, it probably would have been too late anyway. She probably would have said, oh, you know, we've hired another copywriter to do all this kind of work. I guess I would have learned that lesson faster. But it was it was a major, major misstep for me and a big a uh, big learning opportunity because not only did I miss out on that client, but here's the thing. So she is also a, a like I said, a, a business owner, but also a business coach. So she coaches other business owners. Those other business owners also need copy. And previously she would refer me to her clients. So not only did I miss out on I'm sure it would not have been just 7,000. 7,000 was just that project. Probably over the years, tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, on top of the fact that I missed out on her referring me to her clients, which easily hundred, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years because I was not the partnership that I should have been. I was a great copywriter. She loved my copy. That wasn't the problem. I wasn't stepping up and being a partner to her the way that I should have been. So it was, like I said, it was uh, early in my career. So I give myself a little bit of grace for that. But but looking back, even then, I knew better. I knew to be a partner. And that was a hard and expensive lesson to learn, but it was a really, really good one. And that was one of the reasons I'm so excited to share this with you guys, because you don't have to go through that. You can hear that story and learn from it and put yourself in my shoes and know that you don't, you don't have to drop the ball the way that I did. Always, always aim to be both, to, to produce great copy, but also be a partner to your clients, each and every one of them. And if you have trouble remembering to check in or remembering to send through new ideas, put it on your calendar, make it part of your to-do list, make it part of your schedule. It does not have to be spontaneous. If if you have an idea, then jot it down someplace or, or, you know, put it in a, a, send an email to yourself so that when it's time that week to go in and send that email, you've got, or send, send your ideas through to your client, go back to your list of stuff and go, ah, yes, doesn't have to be in that moment. Doesn't have to be spontaneous. The important thing is that you're sharing that and you're being of value to your clients. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a seven or $8,000 package, right? Like it can just be ideas as they come to you. You know, obviously you can't execute on $7,000 worth of work right at one time. You're going to, you know, if you're doing an email series and a webpage and a whatever, you're probably doing, you know, different pieces at different times. So yeah, you could, you could pitch, Hey, I think you let's do, I have some ideas for updates to your welcome series, or I have updates or ideas for a new uh, funnel that I think we should build and try and test or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't have to throw the whole kitchen sink all of all at once. And I think half the time it's showing that you're thinking about the business, even if they don't go with your idea that you send, they know, okay, this person's still actively engaged with what we're doing. They're more of a team member. We see them as a team member versus a freelancer or a contractor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Or even if you do want to pitch a seven or $8,000 project, you have the inside advantage because you know their yeah. business. You can say, look, I have, this is what I think we could do. And I think this would be amazing, but I know what your schedule looks like. I know what you're working on. Yeah. So here's my recommendation of how we could tackle all of this kind yeah. of stuff. You have the advantage. So don't lose that advantage the way that I did. 
Mm-hmm. And they already know we like you and work yes. with you and they trust yeah. you. And yeah, it's repitching. Ah, yes. Okay, Kate, what's your, what's yeah, your second my one? My other one. And so this is a, less of a copywriting, but more copy editing, but still, still a mistake um, that I will share. I was working at a company and my role was actually, I was in, I was, when I was in a copy editor role, um, they had the fortune of having a copy editor. I will say so many companies don't necessarily run their copy through an editor for better or for worse. So mm-hmm. as copy writers, not our job. Again, we are not copy editors, but we do want to proof our own work. We want to read through it. And had I done that, I would have caught this. So that's, that's where this comes in. Um, because you don't have to be a copy editor. And I, I would strongly also recommend not necessarily relying on all the software and apps that there are. Grammarly can only get you so far. You need to read it through, read it out loud, read it out loud. Let me just say that again. <laughs> Because you will catch things that your brain is automatically filling in when you're reading it and just assuming that it's there. Um, This is also where building in time to sleep on work helps because proofing and reading through something right after you've written it. I'm laughing because you haven't told us the story yet. I know. I'm (laughs) prefacing it. I'm avoiding. (laughs) I love these takeaways. They're so useful. The takeaways are more important than the story. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so anyway... I misspell the name of a major cruise line is what I did. And luckily it was an online thing so we could make the switch and it was up. But that cruise line, someone from that cruise line saw this. Well, and it was, it was a paid, it was a paid advertorial too, wasn't it? I, it must have been. Yeah. yeah. So it, I mean, they were, they were very upset, obviously. Like we didn't get the name of their cruise line spelled right. Yes, when when a client is spending thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, they do expect you to get their name right yes. in the publication. Yes. yes. Um, so that goes though. This has happened to me so many times where I, you know, if you're quoting someone and you're using a pull quote and you're like recommending we have a quote here from someone or a testimonial and this and that, and you're putting it in your copy doc, I've uh, my last name isn't necessarily intuitive and Nikki's name is intuitive. So there's a lot of names that I've worked with over my career that I'll check it twice. Just did I spell this, go to their email or whatever the most, you know, that you know that it's spelled right on and, and make sure that it's spelled everywhere that you're listing it correctly. Um, and then when you're reading through a document, just kind of fact checking yourself as well to say, you know, is this accurate? Is this based on my, my knowledge of the company? Is this all correct? Is there something I need to follow up with someone on to make sure that it is accurate information? Do I need to hop on a call with one of their subject matter experts to make sure I got the nuances of this right? Because as copywriters, we're not expected to know the ins and outs of everything in the business, mm-hmm. but we are expected when we're writing it, okay, we're leading the benefits, we, we, we need this information, then to go to the people that we need to Hey, is this is this accurate? I kind of want to spin it like this because I think that would be the most compelling and the most, you know, get your audience to take action. But I want to make sure that this is actually factually correct. Yeah. Um, so making sure you're doing your due diligence and yeah, again, not relying on the apps, reading it through, read it out loud. Well, and I I, I have not misspelled a, a client's um, a client's name, um, but you know they're 
but definitely plenty of times early in my career where I'll finish something, send it through. And then a client will come back to me and be like, um, did you mean for this last line to just, it looks like maybe this last line just cuts off in the middle or something like that. And then of course you go, Oh, and you go, Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. And you know, then I either, either I go back and find the line that got cut off or probably more likely at that point in my career, I hadn't finished writing it, but didn't take, didn't double check it. And then I had to go, oh, here it is, quickly write something to finish it up. And what it was is that I was just so focused on getting it done and getting out. I wanted to get it done, get it to the client, cross it off my list and get on to the next thing. And obviously I was doing a major disservice to my client by trying to get get it just off my plate that quickly yep. and also to my own career. Thankfully, it didn't happen that often that people would have been like, what's wrong with this girl? But instead of what my clients deserve, what all of our clients deserve is for us to do the work, take a moment or some time if you've got it, yep. and then come back and review it and make sure that it is the best work. And that's whether it's a client that you've worked, this is the first time you've worked with them, or whether you've worked with them a billion times. And I have a feeling, in fact, I, I'm remembering it pretty confidently, that it was a client that I worked for regularly. And I was just so used to, yep. so used to doing the work, sending it out, doing the work, sending it out. And I never should have let that step of checking it again go. That's not, there are some steps that I think the more that, uh, the more comfortable copywriters get with doing the work, there's some steps that they just kind of let slide. We get a little cocky. We get a little like, oh yeah, copywriters for me now. Stop outlining. uh, Stop concepting. Stop concepting. You always need to outline. You always need to concept. Um, sometimes I will even hear the egregious, oh, I didn't really make a creative brief. Oh my gosh, you need to have a creative brief. That is, that's all of this stuff is important, but ah, and then also too, that step of, of following up double, not even following up, but double checking your own work before you send yep. it through to the client. Yes. Yep. And not relying on robots to do it. Yes. Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Just, uh, we're not there yet, but Mm-mm. yeah, I, I think the, the process thing, what helps me and maybe help someone else um, is because I like crossing things off the to-do list because I feel like I just birthed this copy. It took me five hours or whatever it is and it is done, but it's not. So to have a step of, you know, writing, continue writing, and I check that off every day. Okay, now I'm at the phase of, you know, complete draft. Great. The next day, the task that I have for myself is review, read through again, and spending and quoting for that in my project time and accounting for that time I know it's going to take. And I add a little more time in that because sometimes when I review, it ends up not just being you know, self-editing as a copywriter is more about self-editing the the ideas and concepts and making sure you have the strongest work, you know, strongest work possible. And so sometimes in that, I'll, that review phase, it'll be more, um, Ooh, this, this line that's actually starting this paragraph would make a stronger sub headline and the sub headline could actually go here and kind of moving things around or, Ooh, here's a stronger word that I can insert in this space or whatever it might be. But that's still accounting for that time. If I start moving things around like that, then too, then it's okay. I'm going to come back to this and read it again for more of the, is it missing anything? Is it missing any lines? Cause I've done that same thing sent through and they're like, um, yeah, where, where, where's this part? It, it, do you, do? And same thing. I'm like, Oh, I think it might be in another document. Let me go, you know, copy and paste, like which version did I leave it in? All of that. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, reading it, accounting for time to read it back through. And so breaking out those steps. So you can check things off your to-do list because you are doing work. And so bundling it all is like create this one thing and you check it off, but it's not actually all done. That's just ineffective for you and it's ineffective for your clients. It's not actually all done. So if you like checking things off and you deserve to check things off as you're doing work, then break it out smaller so you can check off what you're actually doing and not check off steps that you haven't completed, like reading it back through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think even beyond this, a bigger lesson is to, first of all, obviously, maybe not obviously, but remember that, that we are business owners. We are running a business where this is not, this is not, we're not doing favors to anyone. We're not asking for favors from anyone. We're not, everything that we do should be our, our best foot forward. And as part of being a business owner, doing regular reviews of the business is really important and not just, oh, these are my goals. This is how I'm getting to him. I'm, I'm, you know, making this much toward this goal of, of that kind also taking the time to go back and review how the business is running, you know, after a project ends. Okay. What went well with that project? What didn't go so well? What should I improve next time? Okay. I'm in the middle of, I've been working with this client now for six months. What's going well? What isn't going well? Are there ways that I could be a better partner? Regularly reviewing this and all of these things that Kate and I are talking about, if we had taken the time, again, a little bit of grace, we were a little bit of baby copywriters, but if we take in the time to treat our businesses like businesses and treat our work like the valuable output it is, we would have done these reviews. We would have looked at our processes. We would have said, all right, where do, we, where do I slip up sometimes? Or where is the, okay, what can I do to, to build in some fail safes? Or what can I do to be a better copywriter, be a better partner, develop my myself as a professional and as a business? All of that would have saved us. What's our tally? Something like half a half a million dollars, something yeah, right. between the two of us. <laughs> yes, it's an expensive lesson. So let us let us take that lesson on for you, or let us take the the expense and you guys learn this lesson before you have to experience it yourself. Yes. Okay. So that's what we have for you today. I know you're all shocked to discover that Kate and I are not, in fact, perfect. <laughs> Uh, we are actually deeply, deeply imperfect, deeply flawed, <laughs> deeply flawed individuals, yeah. but we're delightful. Um, but uh, we really, we were excited to share these with you because there is so much that um, that you can take away, and we really hope <laughs> that you take some lessons from our missteps. And so, with that, we will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Like what you heard. Subscribe to the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast so you never miss any copywriting tips, tools, or tactics. And if you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at freecopywritingtraining.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.